Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I I don't want to parse this too far, hardness of the heart, pride, yada, yada. But part of it is we have to ask God to open up the eyes of their heart so they can then begin to see these things. Now, I'm going to illustrate that not by a personal illustration. I want to illustrate it by a biblical illustration now. How many of you remember the story of these two guys that are walking down this road to a tiny town there in the Middle East called Emmaus? And they were talking to a guy. And while they're talking to this guy, they're just rapping back and forth. And it wasn't until later on that the Bible says, Scripture says, that he opened their eyes of their understanding and those guys weren't talking to another guy. Who are they talking to, everyone? Jesus. So at the beginning, their eyes were not opened of their heart until the Lord opened their eyes to be able to see that. So some of you, as you're praying for these people, you are also praying that God would open up their eyes of their heart to be able to fully understand this. So that's what it means by the eyes of their heart to be open. Um, I'm going to share something with you here. Um, Some of you will get what I'm saying because of the depth of your Bible knowledge. Some of you, this will sound almost spooky to you. But I'm going to tell you anyway. We, um, We came to church. We all came to church today. We did all of our stuff. We obeyed the stoplights. We parked in the parking place. We made sure we didn't walk into the wall because these are all physical earthy things that we deal with right here. So we see, you see me, I see you. We've got a great thing going here, all of that. But I want you to know, this is not reality, totally. This is huge what I'm about to tell you. Do you know that total reality is to let you know that in this world, there are warring factions in an unseen world that's driven by Satan himself? Did you catch that? Do you know that we are in a spiritual battle right now and it's raging, but we don't see the the demons here, we don't see the demons there? We would call that real reality. Now, this is me split. What we're living in now is only a virtual reality because we only see this. But Christians also realize that there is a war that's going on between God and Satan, so to speak, between the forces of evil and the forces of good, between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. All this is going on around us. The winner is God. So God opens up your eyes, watch this, not to see demons. If if your drapes are flapping in the wind, don't think there's a demon that's blowing it around, all right? But what you have to realize that every single day Satan is using the world to attack your flesh to bring about a temptation to drag you down and either wreck your life, shut your mouth, muddy your message, do something that will bring glory to himself at the most or take glory away from God at the least. So I want you to know that there's something else going on. I said all that to say your friend or family member that you're praying for, there's something else going on in their life. And I need you to pray that God would open up their eyes so they now can see something far greater Now, what are they supposed to see? Let's go back to the passage. And there will be just four of these here. All right, back to the passage. You're going to pray 
that their eyes would be open and enlightened so that they will know, underline the word know, not guess, hope, figure out, they will know what is the hope of his calling. In other words, you want to know that that person now is now understanding that they have been called by God into his forever family, that they now have trusted Christ as Savior. Watch this, watch this. And it is so much bigger than just fire insurance. It is the hope of life now. It is the hope of life future. And those of you who are hearing the word hope for the first time, it is not a hope, a hope, a hope. I hope I have good life here. I hope I get a new life there. No, it's the hope of knowing that it is coming. It is the, the promise of God. The hope comes because of the promise of God in your life. Now, when you see that, then all of a sudden, now this gets heavy, but listen up. Most of the time, people are out here getting into all of these problems because they got their eyes off of God's system of doing stuff. They got their eyes off of God. Satan fed them a lie. They're drinking a glass full of sand. That's why they're still thirsty all the time, going after more sand that's out there. And what you want to do is say, hey, you don't need that glass of sand because you've got the water of the Word. You've got the water of God right here. You have everything. in it. The hope of your calling is that you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ. He is your Savior. He is your father. He is your Lord. He's your sustainer. You have everything you need in him. Therefore, you don't need anything else. Now, that's hope. That is hope. That's wonderful hope. Now, in a more fun way, it's been raining at camp. And we were under the big tent. The big, I told the big food tent. And Carol says, would you go get the umbrella that's in the car. I was in my mind that moment. I said, I sure hope it's there. I hope it's there. I hope it's there. Because you don't want to let your wife down. You don't want to look like you forgot it and all of that. And then you know Carol, those of you that know my wife, she's a big card. She looks at me and she winks and she says, because I put it in there before we left the house. You know? So when I went to the car... I now changed my a hope, a hope, a hope, it's there to, I have hope now. I have an umbrella that when I walk across this huge football field, that I will now pop open this umbrella and I'm going to be nice and dry, relatively speaking, underneath this umbrella. That changed from one hope, a hope, a hope to I've got hope, man, I, I'm going to stay dry on this thing. So you need to transfer your hope, a hope, a hope, a hope to I have this hope, this anticipation with joy that there's a promise that will be fulfilled. And when you are praying that for that loved one, that he would see his hope in Christ, watch this, and satisfied with that hope. A lot of them, they, I can get that, but I really don't want him. One foot in the world, one foot in Christ. Man, that never works. All right. Number two, you're praying that their eyes would be open so they would know these truths. What great truths, the hope of their calling, but also the riches of God's inheritance. The riches of God's inheritance. That's an interesting phrase there. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Some people like to define it as, well, the inheritance of God are the saints. Are, saints means believers in Christ, not like they have in some religious systems, but are all believers in Christ, okay? Now, that could be the inheritance. Okay, let's say it's that. If that's the interpretation and we accept it, that means how rich you and I are because we are not alone. We are a part of the community of the redeemed. Do I hear an amen on that? I know now that if I had a flat tire that I could call Kaipo in the middle of the rain, he would change my tire while I sat in the dry car. No, I'm joking on that. Maybe not. 
But I have the wonderful inheritance that I have in Christ because I have a brother in Christ that'll be there. Carol had cancer twice. The statistics are she's going to get it again and it's going to be terrible apart from God. I have the confidence of the riches of God's glory in you ladies to be there for her as she would most definitely want to be there for you. That is rich. You know what that tells me? First of all, I I don't need another woman. I I don't need another group of people. I mean, they're out there and I want them to be a part of God's favor. I want them to be part of the riches of his inheritance. I got, got, got all that. But God has blessed me with the best. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation could be a little bit higher, and this is the one I prefer. Everything that belongs to God, he gave to his son, Christ. Those of you that are older and you're going to you have your, your estates done, you're going to give it to your son or daughter, okay, that's called an inheritance. Everything that is God goes to the son. But because I am now in Christ by faith, that means everything that God gives to the Son, God gives to me because whatever thing Christ has, I have. And that's my inheritance. That's the riches of the inheritance that's in Christ. Now watch this. That's in all the saints. That we all got this stuff going for us. Isn't that great? And so I want the people I'm praying for to have that in their life so that they would understand the fullness of Christ And I'm going to tell you, no matter what their finances are, what their fitnesses are, what their friends are, what their foes are, what their future might be like, it's okay where they are. And they can navigate. Because they've got the light, they've got the word, and they've got the brotherhood to be able to do that. All right? The riches of the inheritance that's found in Christ, in God. Number three, that their eyes would be open to the greatness of his power toward us who believe. This, to me, is kind of like the... Icing on the cake, this passage. This part here tells me that the previous part really works. So you've got to look at it. In verse 19, it says here, And what is, so that they would know, what is the surpassing greatness of his power. I've got to stop on that. It doesn't say his power. It doesn't say greatness. It says the surpassing greatness of his power. Do you know why this is important? Because if I'm praying for that person to overcome some vice in their life, I want them to have their eyes open to see all that they have in Christ, that I've already taught you, but also to know that they will have all the power necessary in Christ, in them, to stand above that vice that's in their life. So if they have a problem with depression and discouragement because of fitness and finances and friends and foes and future, that they have in Christ all the power that they ever would need, surpassing greatness of that power to overcome whatever that is that's, that's bringing them down or bringing them away. So let's go back to the passage. Toward us who believe. Now underline the phrase, toward us who believe, which means this is really only available to those who know Christ as Savior, the believers. It's not a name it and claim it to those who believe. Then it says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So what are? The greatness of his powers according to his strength and all of that that we have that we just taught about is all found in that special strength that's in Christ. Now, let's talk about that strength. Verse 20. Which he, God, brought about in Christ. So now you have the power of God and the power of Christ all one. So you have a superpower going on. When he, I love this, God raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Let's stop there for a moment. 
How many people have you known that were dead that were brought back to life? Now, Kaipo worked for EMS and all of that. I'm not talking about the guy who kind of, you know, flatline and then you beat his chest and he came back to life. I'm talking about dead, 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 dead as a doornail dead. Okay. How many people have you known that were brought back to life? Okay, now some of you, oh, I know somebody, you know, Lazarus, I got, I got that, Lazarus came back, the Lord raised him from the dead, but, but Lazarus kicked off later on, he died later, okay. Now I'm not talking about that, but there is a thought about that. The power that would take someone who is dead, 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 now he brought him back to life, and what did he do? He seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly places. So maybe you do know someone who is dead, 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 dead that came back to life. Did that dead, 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 dead guy ever go all the way to heaven in the heavenly places? And when he's up there, he's not just a blizzard and a snowflake of people who died in heaven. He's seated at the right hand. Do you know anybody like that? Now remember, what did all of that is the power of God. And why all that power of God is so that you would know what you all have in Christ for which you're praying about for that person. Let's go back. This is so cool. He goes on to say, brought... Jesus, raised from the dead, sit in every heavenly place. Okay, he's plopped up there. Verse 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And then it says, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It will stop there. So he has taken every power source of any being, whether it's human, human powers, like all the, the leaders of countries, all those that had uh, money power, all those that had powers of, um, of, of wealth and influence and, 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 and armies, into the spiritual world of all the demons and all Satan and every power that there was. They took this dead Christ, raised him up put him up in heaven, sat him at the right hand of the Father, and then put every other power source under him. Catch that. That took power to do that. That's the power that is to us who believe. That's the power for us to understand and to operate under so we can capture who we are in Christ, which now gives us the victory that's in Christ. That's what you're praying for them. So it's not about, I hope they get over their cold. I hope they get a better job. I hope their car gets repaired. That's all important, but... There's a lot more spiritual stuff that we want to pray about in their life. Let's go back to the passage. Verse 21. Far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but the one to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and then gave him as head over all things to the church. You know what you might want to write in your margin? It went from might to majesty. It went from might to majesty. I want you to see in Christ now the glory of Christ and his power, that he was powerful, but he is also the supremacy of God. And that's what I want to end on today. That when you're praying that their eyes are being opened, as you're praying for them, you think about all the positive thoughts, you want to thank them, you want to keep on asking for them, you want them to really know that you're praying to God about them, God the Father, the one who's large and in charge and near and dear like we talked about. But at the same time, you want to pray that they would fully understand what they have in Christ, the hope that they have in Christ, all the riches that they have in Christ all the might and the power that they have in Christ and the supremacy of God in their life, that He is their all in all. Now, once they capture that, then nothing else matters, amen? The rest they can deal with. The rest they now become a testimony. The rest they now begin to be a witness through whatever they're going through. The rest they're watching God do things. And the most part about it, they have a spirit of what I call fulfillment in their life because now they really know Him. Now, that's the kind of prayer 
in my opinion, that Paul was praying for them when he said, I never cease to make mention of you in my prayers. So my friends, if you want to know how to pray that will change lives, medicinally, you pray this prayer. You want to learn how to pray for people to be strong, like a vitamin prayer, you pray this prayer. And may I ask you, would you find a prayer partner, a study buddy, and teach them this, and then flip it and say, would you now pray for me all the time? Husbands, would you pray for your wife that prayer? Wives, would you pray for your husband that prayer? Instead of that they quit smoking and quit drinking and all that stuff. Oh, you can do all of that, but hey, they quit all of that. There's unsafe people that do that, and they still aren't any closer to the Lord. What you want to do is you want to pray that they have this. And when they have all of this stuff, it's like Lazarus's grave clothes. It'll come off. You pray for these deeper things, and I'm going to tell you, God will take over. Let's pray, shall we, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear ones, I really love you. And I love the Word, and I love what He's teaching us. And maybe someday you'll be able to meet Joe. All he will be is an object lesson of the truth of God's Word, nothing more. And so I want to give you your own hope. I hope, I hope, I hope it happens. No. I want you to have the hope to know that this prayer was so significant that Paul prayed it. He prayed it. This is what's so neat. He prayed this prayer. And then God said on his heart, write it in Scripture. He didn't say, I figured out a prayer that I need to write down for you guys so you know what I'm praying about. Nope. Nope. He was praying about it. And then it got into holy writ. And may I suggest this too? The next time you write to your loved one and you tell them you're praying for them, just like Paul did, would you now take this little outline from Scripture and tell that loved one that this is the way you're praying, this is why you're praying? Tell them what you're thanking God for in their life. Go through that. And you might have to write a hundred of those letters because you have a hundred people that you're praying for, but you do that. But beloved one, don't say you're doing this if you're not on a consistent basis. So take a small bite of the apple. Start with the one that the Holy Spirit lays upon your heart, but do it. Don't let this be just a usual Sunday morning sermon. Let it be one that changes your life as it changes them. Now for our guests that are here, we're studying the Gospel of John 17 and it talked about Jesus even praying for those that would be believers in the future. And so, in a sense, you were prayed for 2,000 years ago. And his prayer for you, if I could expand it through all the writings just in the Gospel of John that was recorded by John about Jesus, was this. That you would know that God so loved you in the world, just the way you are. That he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. And he gave him on the cross, not just gave him to live a nice life of a teacher on this earth and then to die a horrible martyr's death at the end. No, he, he, he gave him to you, gave his son to you. Now, the cross is a major portion of that. I get that. You get that. But you get more than just his son hanging on a cross and then rising again three days later. You get all the son. And when you get all of him, when you have the son, you have real life. But you've got to have the son. And that's why he says, he gave his son, whosoever believes in him, it doesn't say behave. It doesn't say believe and behave. In fact, it doesn't even say believe. It says believe in Him. Because belief alone could be in anything and you won't go to heaven. 
So your belief has got to be in Christ. But you have to do the believing. He's prepared it all. Right now you're being uh, given this message. The Spirit of God is bringing a sense of conviction that you need to do this. There's no other way to heaven through Him. You're a sinner and you need forgiveness. Would you be the one right now? Today's the day that He's calling you. You're trusting Christ as your Savior. Now how do you do that? Well, later on in the Bible it says, just believe or call upon the name of the Lord. Place your faith alone in Him. Is it a prayer? Well, maybe a little bit. You can. But it's not even a prayer. It's a mental transaction. You're changing your mind. That's what repent means. You're changing your belief from thinking good works will get you to heaven to faith in Christ. You're changing your mind about who you are. You're a sinner and you can't get to heaven by your good deeds. You're changing your mind about all the dynamics that's involved with the fact that no good deed you do yourself will merit eternal life. And now, with that new changed mind, you are placing your faith. Now, you are activating that changed mind by placing your faith alone in Him as the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. Now, I'd like to pray for you. Now, remember, me praying for you won't get you into heaven. Raising a hand won't do it. Signing a card, walking an aisle. Those are all man-made things. But I'd like to pray for you because when you trusted Christ today, I want to welcome you into God's family and just... Have a moment of prayer. Wouldn't you like to have a, a guy who shared with you the message of salvation and believes in prayer pray for you? I'd like to do that. But if not, that's okay. You and the Lord can work it out. If it's in your heart, you're trusting him. Jesus says, he that believes on me right now has everlasting life. So it's a private inner thing. Later, go outward with it. But right now, inward. Salvation, inward. It's in your heart. It's right here. It's a belief in Christ, in Christ alone. So is there anyone in here that might be saying, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I can't get to heaven by my good deeds, religious or social. But I know you are God. And then you died and you rose again. And I'm trusting in you for the full forgiveness of my sin. And I want to thank you for that. I know I'll be disciplined when I sin afterwards, but I'll never lose it because you keep it for me and you'll never kick me out. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for that. Would there be anyone in here today with heads bowed and eyes closed who would like for me to pray for them? Would you slip up your hand right now? Today is the day you're trusting Christ. Thank you. Thank you too. Put your hand down. The rest of you, how many of you would like to have prayer because you you really learned a new way of praying for others, but you realize it is not a -a rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub kind of message. It's not a kind of prayer that you can pray in one minute, but you also know that these are the kind of heartfelt prayers of your connectivity to the Lord, and it's a biblical prayer, and you want to pray that prayer, and so you're asking for me to pray for you that together you and I will pray for others and begin maybe one person at a time to start activating this prayer in our life, but we're going to own it. And like Paul, we'd like to say by the sustaining power of God that as often as we remember them, we'll make mention of them in prayer, and this is how we'll be praying. And you'd like to have prayer for your prayer life. And you can't see my hand up, but my hand is up too. I want you to pray for me, all of you. Not only this prayer, but pray that I would pray this prayer with others faithfully too. So we're all doing it together, but... Maybe today is the day you're making this, this commitment and you'd like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Thank you. Many, many hands. Many, many hands. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we really had a lot to talk about today. We've learned a lot. And now I'm asking the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to take your word and do what we preached about today, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts so we would be enlightened in these truths to really know you. That all of us in this room, starting here, that we would know experientially 
through wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of you, the hope of our calling in you, the wonderful riches of the inheritance that's found in you, the fact that you are more powerful than any adverse situation that comes our way, that, Father, you are so mighty and powerful, and that, Father, you are the supreme God, and yet at the same time, you are the only God. And we surrender to you and ask that you'll help us to know these truths. I thank you for those that were trusting you as Savior today, that they would get a Bible and read it and see that it's a love letter from you to know you better, that they would talk to you in prayer and not little stilted, now I lay me down to sleep speeches, but to begin a real child-to-a-parent conversation. And Father, I pray that we'd meet together with other believers and we would be here to hear the Word of God taught. We would learn the Word and apply the Word. So help us to be a part of a fellowship where we know we will be loved and cared for and a group of people that we can love on as well. And then, Father, I pray that we be found faithful with this message of salvation and that we begin to tell others that we came to faith in you, maybe a loved one, a family member, and then way beyond. Now, Father, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us this word. Thank you for your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.